0: Hey, it's Andy Anas, and you're watching and or listening to another episode of Pod Slamma Jamma, now owned by Let's Rage Cougs. On this episode, we will put a final bowl on the Houston Cougars football regular season after a disappointing 37-30 to 30 loss against Tulsa. We'll talk a little bit about that game. Where does the team go after Saturday's loss? A look ahead at the bowl game and just the future overall for players and the future of the team as a whole. We'll transition over to our fourth and final segment, Spotlighting Name, Image and likeness entity in h-o-u-n-i-l our final segment of interviewing ryan of gokus.com and h-o-u-n-i-l and then we'll wrap things up talking about hoops both men's and women's basketball don't go anywhere you're listening to pod slamma jamma yeah standards high goals you
1: know we know what it takes to get there I want to be on guard with it, <laughs> if I'm honest. Coaches, coach, players play. You know, and that's a great place to be in your life, We you can care less what other people are playing.
0: Day on, joining me, uh, I mean, man, we were talking off air, you're a warrior, man, I appreciate you taking the time uh, to be able to do that, and like I said, off air, man, I'm hoping for a speedy recovery.
1: Appreciate it. I'm a bit wounded, but I can sit down and talk about the Cougs, man. So, I'm glad to join you
0: right now. So let's jump right into it. The Houston Cougars football team wrapped up wrapped up their regular season. Uh, it didn't go uh, as well as they would have hoped it would. the uh, Houston's offense, in particular, in the first half, I mean, they looked just about like they had been for the final stretch of that second half of the season. They looked dominant. They had put up uh, over 20 points again, and then it was a change of scripts in the second half. Tulsa did a really good job of really shutting down that offense, only holding on to six points for that entire second half. And Tulsa, uh, the defense, Houston's defense in particular, I mean, they they didn't play their worst game of the season, which um it's it's not saying much with with some of the performances. Um, but certainly a, a bit that they weren't able to follow up the strong, the absolute best performance that they had put together the week prior to that up in uh, greenville north carolina against the pirates uh and and tulsa they didn't necessarily have uh, uh, an offensive explosion game but they did make big plays when it counted and that's really what hurt houston in that game those chunk plays um really a lot of big plays are it's a lot of times when tulsa was able to score and at the end of the day tulsa was able to make just enough plays to go out of TDCU Stadium with the 37-30 victory and spoil the senior night for the Houston Cougars. Now, after the game, Dana Hoverson, I mean, he he didn't really um, mince his words much. It was interesting for, for those of you that, that watched Let's Reach Cougs after I believe it was the South Florida game uh, when Dana Hoverson was asked about the expectations, he kind of diverted um, about it and in particular, you know, the, the big thing, it was being able to get to the American Athletic Conference championship game and win that game. Now, Dan Horson, after the game this past weekend against Tulsa, said, we have to keep our heads high and we are proud of how we finished. We were disappointed because we did not finish the way that we wanted it to be in and- talking about the way the season ended they he was asked about the message to the senior class which obviously is the final home game of the regular season was senior day for Houston this is what he had to say about his message to the senior class and I quote I'm sorry that we did not finish the way we wanted to and that was all that we talked about all we do what you've got to do to finish it the right way we did not make good enough plays and gave gave up too much the winning team was not this team and Dan. Dayon, uh, we, we haven't really gotten a chance to talk about that Tulsa game, but it, what were your overall thoughts about that outing and this post-game of, of what Dana Horace's comments he, he had to say after the loss?
1: Man, I, I think in the second half, um, after re-watching it, it came down to the lack of adjustments. Because in the first half, Houston was able to do what they've been doing and play really well. But the second half, Tulsa made some adjustments and rushed only three Um, three players and had eight in coverage pretty much the whole game, kind of daring Houston to run the ball and the lack of adjustments by Houston offensively to um, counter that and be able to make plays and run the ball however they needed to do to move the ball was really what stood out to me. A few drops by receivers. I think Sam had like two. Tank had like two as well. But overall, I think the defense played well enough and gave the offense chances to, um, to get in the end zone. And so uh, it, it was a tough loss. It was a tough loss, but Tank is him. Tank is him. That's what my last takeaway going against it, uh, seeing after seeing the game, is Tank is him. Man, I think he, he's a really, really good player, and I'm sure in a moment we'll talk about his future status, but that boy is special.
0: Absolutely, and I think that focusing on an offensive perspective, that is something uh, that really you, you didn't get to see it that much, at least in regards to when the offense was on that, that tear that it was following that Memphis game, but really it, it kind of came full circle because that was an issue. Uh, maybe not necessarily tank, but a lot of the receivers early on in the season, key drops to start the year. And it just seemed like it came, you know, again, like I said, it just all came to back to the struggles. They all, I guess it, as, as obviously as from a Houston fan perspective, you don't want to hear this, but it, that season, the game kind of ended the way the entire season had gone. Yeah. Um, and, and, Again, the disappointing the season, which uh, before uh, the season even started, coming in August, all the training camps, all the goals, all the expectations were to not only make it to the American Athletic Conference championship game, but, you know, do what they couldn't do last season. thats win it. Now, they are bowl eligible. Um, It is still yet to be determined where exactly they will play and who they will play. Um, That announcement will come uh, sometime within the next uh, I believe, I can't remember the exact date, but it'll be sometime this weekend when the official bowl game gets announced and Houston will know who they're playing and where they will be playing. Um, But on that note, you alluded to Tank, and really, um, he wasn't a senior on senior night, but he very well could have played his final game for the Houston Cougars in uniform. He certainly put together a very strong season for the Houston Cougars overall. And after the game, he was asked about uh, just over his goals, um, which, interestingly enough, something that, that he had said, Set out, he said one of his personal goals heading into the season was to score 50 touch 15 touchdowns, which he was able to accomplish overall. He put together a strong season. He had a 103 catches, 1,354 yards. Like I said, those 15 touchdowns overall. He also had the punt return touchdown um, in the season. So a uh, very, very strong campaign for Tank Dell and just overall your thoughts he was asked about potentially um had he thought about his future he didn't really want to speak on it after the game he said he had the decision to make he didn't want to speak on it he kept it short and brief uh, but clearly he was uh he was- you could tell that the loss um, had hit him hard. He asked him about if he had shared a moment with Clayton Toon after the game, and he said they hugged it out. They told each other they love each other, or they told each other they love each other. But it just didn't end the way they wanted it to end. So it was a tough night overall, especially for the offense and, and seeing those seniors um, get sent out. And loss.
1: Yeah, and I think he's going. I think um, I think it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to the NFL. He played, he, he played a hell of a season,
0: and um, I think he did really well. Oh, absolutely, and I, I think the, the biggest thing, I think he showed, and we've talked about it in the past, just in terms of what his potential um, is at the next level. He's very clearly, he has the skill set to be able to be one of those players that plays on Sunday, but just in terms of overall he showed his versatility and if you had to pick right now it would be interesting to see uh where he would fall just in terms of it, it, he's one of the players that can make an immediate impact we saw Marquez Stevenson um a few seasons ago he went in the sixth round I believe it, it might have been one of the sixth or seventh round pick when the Buffalo Bills took him but it'll be interesting to see where Tank Dell uh lands and if he does decide um to head to the NFL if if that was the last time we saw him obviously the Houston Cougars still have one more um bowl game left to play but if the Cougars you know they're um if the Cougars do decide to sorry I had a background it was it just cut me off and I, I thought it was playing in the background so that completely uh, <laughs> uh that completely threw me off but just in regards to um Tank, it'll be interesting to see where he lands. We have a question from Gian Cardenas. Do you have any inside scoop on possible incoming recruits for football at the moment? Um, At the moment, not currently. And it's going to be interesting, something that Dana Holverson mentioned throughout um, leading up to this game, is that Houston's a bit uh, in a dead period when it comes to recruiting. Uh, they can't recruit. They can't go out and recruit this week, even though they're not going to be playing in the American Athletic Conference Championship game. Obviously, that it, it doesn't really bode well for Houston to – to practice because they still have uh, Bowie and they're going to get, it's going to be sometime between December 16th and December 31. Um, it'll probably be closer to December 16th than, than the 31st, but there's no really point for them to practice. So they're a bit, they're in a bit of a wait and see period. So um, I think the interesting thing, which off that question, we kind of, um, we kind of segue to our latter part of the football conversation and Dan, I'm going to toss it over to you. Just what do you feel, where, where does the Houston football program go uh, from this season? Obviously, like I said, from the top, it had a lot of expectations. They didn't get what they uh, set out to when it came to the American athletic conference championship game. It seems like a lot of it is, I, don't know. I talked to Ryan after this when it comes to Let's Reach Cougs. And from, from a lot of fans' perspective, it just seems like they're stuck in regards to excitement. Obviously, they're heading into the Big 12. That's exciting. But just in terms of the status of the team, they're not really sure what to expect. Um, and those that, that do have expectations, they're not really high. They're really uh, pessimistic. Dayan, on, you're muted.
1: I said, that sounds about right because I feel the same way. And it's like that you don't really know what to expect going into next year. And based off how this year um, transpired, you, you kind of don't have high hopes because we was not able to beat a Texas Tech team who finished low in the Big 12 and does that routinely, Kansas as well. And so for me, I think it all boils around the quarterback position. I think we got Alton coming back, and he's going to be one of the best running backs in the Big 12 immediately. We got good skill position. So for me, I think most of it um, results on the quarterback and how Lucas Coley or whomever develops. Um, I honestly don't want to see no one coming from the portal or transfer because Lucas Coley couldn't really be that good. Only time would tell. Um, and so for me, I think it really just boils down to the quarterback play because I think overall the skill position is going to be good. Defense had a lot of young talent who got experience in the back end. That's going to be good, and also we need to restock their defensive line. I think that's a huge issue going into the Big Twelve. Not issue, but a, a huge key for position for us to retool and and continue being dominant. Have we been over the past couple of years, particularly on the defensive line? You're muted.
0: We're taking turns getting music uh, with each other, but I think, no, absolutely, I agree with the point um, that you said. And I think the interesting thing under Dana Horvathson, uh, you allude to especially up front, the offensive line. That's something that Dana Horvison, uh throughout the season had mentioned. Um, you know, that was an area, especially that they saw against Texas Tech, against Kansas. They they really struggled to be able to pass protect one, and that's what a would a more mobile, experienced quarterback with Clayton Kuhn, but also the penalties they got um, really hurt by those penalties early on in in the season and that's really what I mean that was the story of the season first four games of the year for Houston they had 10 plus penalties in each game now uh, when you look at the recruiting class like um, uh, like Richie Rich had mentioned that they, they, they don't have that many commits so far uh, for the class I'm, I'm looking at it right now on to 24-7 sports right now they only have 11 hard commits for Houston. I think the the headliner... is a couple of offensive players in regards to, to Jonah Wilson, the four-star recruit, um, a receiver, and then Parker Jenkins, the running back. That There's a lot of work to do, but I think the interesting thing and something that we've seen uh, for the football team under Dana Morrison is that they do a lot of the recruiting from the transfer, transfer portal. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of new additions they add in that way in regards to just overall the expectations. I think that there needs to be a, there needs to be something done just to, to amp up and juice up the the excitement around the football program. Besides just oh, this is going to be our first year in the Big Twelve because um, that's not going to be something that you know, it it maybe momentarily in the buildup leading up to the Big Twelve it'll be exciting. But if they put together a similar product as this season where they really struggled, um, it's going to get there's going to be a lot of backlash from the fan base real quickly. I mean, kind of just like we saw it this season. Um, as we begin to wrap things up in regards to football talk, I do want to put up the comment by John Lynn, which starters do you think will opt out of the bowl game? If I was Dell or Toon, I would not risk it. Um, we haven't really talked much about Clayton Toon, but he played his last home game uh, for the Houston Cougars uh, against Tulsa. And it'll be interesting to see what he decides to do um, in that bowl game for Houston. I think um, in regards to tank, uh, if he does decide that he wants to play in the NFL, which I think I agree with you, Dan. I think it's more likely that he he chooses to go professionally just because of the resume he already has put together. Um, I don't think it's it's worth you know him risking playing a bowl game for Houston. I think and even Clayton Tune, he's done so much for the program overall during during his time here. I think it'll be interesting to see if he decides to stay, but I think if he if he opted to, to not play in the bowl game, it might be a, a lot of silver lining for Houston in regards to hey, now they can see what they have um, with Lucas Cody um, in the backfield or in the, in the as a backup role for the quarterback. Now uh, final news and notes for the Houston Cougars football team, because um, today the American athletic conference announced its official um. Awards And Houston had five different players to uh, be named to the American Athletic Conference first team and quarterback Clayton Toon and Nathaniel Tankdale. No surprise. Those two uh, made the all uh, conference first team. Patrick Paul was named on the first team along the offensive line. De'Anthony Jones and Cameron Johnson rounded out the five Cougars in that first team. In the second team, Houston had a few players as well, in Javarius Owens, in our green as cornerbacks. And uh, Chase Rogers was named an honorable mention in the American Athletic Conference team as a specialist. So uh, congratulations to them. Uh, And I think overall, when you look at a lot of the seniors, I think guys like... Elias Bell, I honestly, I think the Anthony Jones falls in that category where he'll, he will opt out um, just because with his future um, aspirations, he wants to play at the next level. Um, but I think potentially you could see a guy like Elias Bell, uh, some of these other seniors, I could see them opting into the bowl game. As, as regards to Tune, honestly, I'm, I'm not entirely sure, sure which way he would lean, I think, um, certainly from an injury factor perspective you could make that argument but I think it wouldn't hurt him being able to get uh, more on film at the college level so I think it'll be interesting to see that now I think another interesting thing I think if Tank and Dell choose I think it'll be whatever one of them decides I think they might end up being a pair if that makes sense and I'm curious to get your thoughts on that you're muted again
1: yeah, I think so. Uh, well, first, I think that um, Tank should sit. If I was him, I would advise him to not play in the ball game. Probably same for D'Anthony Jones. But if I'm Clayton, I, I, th- I like you. I think he should play. I think it's another opportunity for him to get more film and, and good film at that. And then you don't know who they're going to play. Last year, they played Auburn as an SEC opponent. And so that counts in the eyes of the scouts playing a different competition. And so, from him, I don't know if he solidified himself enough. I know he has a lot of tape, and especially this season, but I just think it's another opportunity for him not only to lead, and which I'm sure scouts will keep that in mind, and also for him to play and play well. And so, for him, I, I think he should play.
0: And on that note, we'll leave it right there. Coming right up on Pod Slam we'll focus on our four, fourth and final segment, uh, spotlighting H O U N I L, and my interview with Ryan Monso of Goku.com and H O U N I L. On this segment, we'll be talking about um, really how other name, image, and likeness entities across the country helped um, inspire and really help. Builds get a lot of background information for H O U N I L and how they decided to do things, and um, just overall putting a wrap on the spotlight on H O U N I L. Don't go anywhere. You are watching and or listening to Pod Lama Jamma. But on that note, I will segue to take this opportunity. To remind everyone to check out Let's Rage Cougs presented by the Saxonian family for the remainder of the regular season uh, in regards to men's basketball, the unofficial Houston postgame show streaming on the Houston Round Bar Review YouTube channel we were able to pull off uh, really what was kind of a vision at the beginning of the season. We did a post game show after each and every football game, even though we kind of limped there for the final post uh, game show after the Tulsa game, uh, which honestly I kind of said it was an epitome of, of the, just the way the game had gone. It was kind of a good uh, send out just with the Wi Fi at TDCU stadium. It had been a, a real issue. So Apologies once again for the video quality, but we were able to reach that goal and we'll be back for the bowl game whenever that may be. Um, for Houston down the road. And like I said, be sure to check out Let's Rage Cougs presented by the Saxonian family after each and every men's basketball home game. The next well, the next time we'll be streaming live on the Houston Round Bar Review YouTube channel will be December 3. Um, it'll be Let's Rage Cougs after dark, probably sometime around 1130, closer to midnight, on Houston's game against St. Mary's. But on that note, I will toss it over to myself in the past and uh, once again, check out the final segment, uh, interviewing Ryan Monceau, spotlighting i I'm much more curious, whenever you guys were first, and I'm sure you guys are still doing it, but whenever you guys were first going to announce the launch of H-O-U-N-I-L, how much did you look at what some of other places at different universities were doing when it came to name, image, and likeness? Um, I guess it's different for you guys because you guys are much more uh, unique in, in one way, but I'm sure you have to see what other schools were doing.
2: Yeah, well, you have to see, you know, what are collectives asking their collective members to pay? Yeah. And what are other groups you know, asking from the general public? And we were looking for somebody that was doing a content sort of focus like we're wanting to do. Um, we haven't found exactly what we're doing. We have seen others that are do kind of interviews one-on-one, which are great, but there's a limit to the depth and the quality of how much I as a five foot nine little guy can (laughs) talk with Jawan Roberts, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. what am I going to understand about, about what he's doing? That's where Galen has helped us a ton. Um, But we don't, we haven't seen anybody who has athletes writing essays. We're going to do podcasts. I'm certain that's out there. I haven't seen it. So that, We have not really been able to look where others are are doing right or wrong. Um, But we're always looking.
0: Mm -hmm. Kind of going back to the advisory board, obviously, Galen is involved with basketball. You have a person that oversees for football and baseball. How important is it to not just focus on those big brand sports, but across the board? Because you mentioned you're working with a lot of several athletes as well. Um, in particular, you want to get that uh, women's sports perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you see HOU NIL, um, maybe not within the year, but in the future, um, about how, where it can get there? Where is your perfect vision for HOU NIL?
2: Our perfect vision is we're working with every athlete that wants to do it, and mm-hmm. that we have the money to pay them for their time and their expertise and the the stories that they're going to tell. I want, I need women's sports to be a part of this. I have always had a soft spot in my heart for Lady Cougs basketball. Um, I was the first beat writer ever for women's soccer at this school for the Daily Cougar. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I've played golf with half or most of the women that that play golf for us so I love those sports and the athletes they have stories and that's so much more interesting to me than this guy's an all American or this guy's whatever I want the stories the stories are are what hook people and I think women's athletes have just as many stories to tell as anyone else Um, you know you've got a world class track program here we don't hear about those stories. I want to hear that. And I think HOU NIL can do that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and like you said, there's a whole bunch of different programs um, that have had success. And just, I mean, just look at the swimming and diving program as well. Another one that's, Mm -hmm. I mean, constantly been at the top in the American Athletic Conference, and you don't necessarily hear, like you said, those stories that, that kind of Going into the the media world specifically, they draw to that human interest story, that that aspect of it with a whole bunch of different ways. There's a whole bunch of different athletes that have stories to tell. So that's awesome to hear. I kind of want to transition over to, I guess, a bit of a fun question. But do you have a memory and something that sticks out to you? You don't have to go into any specifics. I'm sure you guys are still constantly working on new stuff. But uh, an experience that sticks out working, it could either be with your advisory board with one of the athletes that that really – I don't know. It just sticks with you.
2: Uh, well, we're still pretty, pretty new into mm-hmm. this. Um, but hearing Galen Robinson, a point guard, a great point guard, talk with Jamal Shedd about point guard work. I, I just, I can't begin to understand everything that they said. And I have it on video and I still, <laughs> I'll watch it over and over. And I still don't understand everything that I'm hearing. And Galen has been great in teaching me intricacies that the common fan doesn't see. And Galen's going to be great at that as the season goes on. Jamal, too. Um, but it has been just getting to hear the different stories and the different perspectives and see a side of athletes that we don't see on the day to day. Jamal Shedd is funny, he's interesting. You don't necessarily see that because he's a point guard. He's got to be focused and, and you know, the, the most accountable on the floor. But he has a story. He has a lot of stories, and we're going to tell those. I can't wait to get into that.
0: That's awesome. Once again, thank you for taking the time out of your day to join me and speak with me throughout the course of these previous segments. Once again, this is Ryan Monsoo. Like no. I do so, not like your sewing. Oh my goodness! so It's been all the segments. I got it, Monceau. I got it, and I will. I will put it in my brain. It takes me a few times to to figure it out. Ryan Monceau.
2: And your name's Andy.
0: Actually, it is. Really? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm messing with you. Uh, no, it's Andy Giannis, but Ryan Monceau. Oh, okay. Andy. Yeah. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, thank you for taking the time out of your day to, yep. to speak with me, especially on HOU NIL and especially what, what you guys are doing. Um, like I said, it's something unique. You guys are working straight with the athletes um, and giving them their perspective to tell their stories from from their viewpoints, which, again, that's something that, like you mentioned, you guys looked at what a lot of different other name, image and likeness um, entities, collectives were doing at different universities. And there's not necessarily one that's exactly doing what you guys are doing, which yep. is awesome.
2: Well, we're excited. Um, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun
0: for, sure, and for those subscribe.
2: Just go to H yeah. O U N I L.com. Go to the subscribe button. There are plans for every price point. If you want to give a ton of money, please, if you can't do that, there's options for you. Everybody gets the same content. There's no better or worse. Everybody gets the same.
0: Absolutely. And on that note, I'd like to thank you again for joining me. If you are interested in following Ryan and Goku's on Twitter, that's at Goku's one, all lowercase. Um, I'm sure you'll be able to see it in the description below. But thank you again for your time. And is there anything else you'd like to end on? No, sir. Thank you, Andy. So once again, as I uh, come back into the present, uh, Ryan Monsel. I got that name. I I had forgotten it. I had butchered. <laughs> it took me a while to get it to get his last name right. Uh, Ryan. I'm sure he, if he's not watching live, he's going to come back and, and watch it um, during the replay. So I do. I did get his name right. I did figure it out. It got stuck in my brain. So that's going to be interesting. But like I like you just heard there, be sure to follow them on Twitter at Goku's One. They're putting out great content. They've only done much more since... um that interview, especially um, a lot of content with the men's basketball team, which really, I mean, it's just getting into the middle of their season. They're not even halfway through their season, so it's only to continue to get better. And now they're the number one team in the entire country in both national polls. So be sure to follow them. Like I said in the clip, special thanks uh, to Ryan to take time out of his day to be able to speak about HOU NIL and then really um, the unique partnership they have where they're giving a platform to the student athletes to be able to tell the stories that they want to tell, which, um, um, it's something unique, especially when it comes to name, image, and likeness. On that note, we will transition over to the women's basketball team. The women's um, basketball team did not have a good Thanksgiving week this past um, I guess this past week, I don't mean to be redundant, but Houston suffered two uh, really tough losses um, in the St. Pete's showcase and really two games that they are probably kicking themselves in the foot because they had opportunities at winning those games and in both games, just late game execution failed them. And that's something they're, they're really taking um, their bumps right now, but it's hopefully it's going to be something that now they sit at one and five on the season. They're going to have to. This is really when you you're, they're going to get tested a bit because despite how close some of these losses have been, one and five is still one and five, and now they have to come together um, and figure out a way to respond and and you know dig out of the early hole that they have. It's not going to get any easier. The next game is December one on Thursday against UT Arlington, a UT Arlington team that beat them a season ago
1: and made a tournament last year. and... Very disappointing start. Very, very, very disappointing start. And um, man, like you just said, closing games, finishing games. And let me let me use this analogy. Just imagine Jamal shed having a season that he had, and he come this year. He comes off the bench. That's the analogy best I could fit to use to describe Thierry Young and the way she finished the season and how stellar of a season she's having this year, even though she's coming off the bench. And so I think just for the morale of the team, I know she's playing a lot of minutes. She needs to be a starter. I mean, there's no excuse or reason in my mind why she shouldn't be a starter. But it's a lot of season left. I mean, just like um, we talk about off-air, it's November. If you want to take your licks and bruises, you want to take them in November. And so – um, hopefully they're learning from these early struggles and learning turnovers and finishing games, and really they can, they can turn it around. I keep saying that, but I, I really think they can, I, especially looking at conference play and the teams that they are going to face. I think they, they'll be right in the thick of things. They just got to turn it around like now. They need to start being more consistent and doing the things
0: they need to do now. And the thing is, it has been offense, because offensively, um, Houston has been towards the top of not just the conference, but nationally, they third in the entire country when it comes to steals per game, and they're forcing a lot of turnovers game. I mean, they're almost making their opponents turn the ball over 30 times a game. Now, offense particular, it has stepped up from where it was at the beginning of the season these past two games at the St. Pete Showcase, but um, again, really, the past two games, it came down uh, to making dumb mistakes, and in particular, you know, fouling um, in certain instances that, that really just hurt the team. Those are silly errors that are coming Back, and biting them, they're they're on discipline mistakes. Not to your point to Tiara, about Tierra Young. Um, I know she you had mentioned it in the past. She had been dealing with an injury heading into the season, but really she has clearly been um, one of the, the best player for Houston early on in the season. And I, it it's interesting that you say that because you know on one set on one you know mind you could see the argument that oh we need her off the bench and she'll provide uh that spark for the team but on the other you know you you need your best players starting off the gates just so you can get off to that good start and then get into a good rhythm
1: you do and and that's why i think it's vital because some of those games they've gotten off to slow starts and offensively um that's where they're having their mishaps offensively and i think if you have a player as good as her Coming off the, I mean, starting the game, she can get you in a good rhythm to start the game and you can ride that wave throughout the game. I don't know there's going to be highs and lows within a game, but still, I think the way that she finished the team, I mean, finished the season last year and how strong for a season she's had, she has back to back 20 plus point games. I mean, she's been the best player. I mean, that's not sugarcoated in my opinion. Be, she has been the best player um, on the floor, but it's been inconsistency offensively from, from other players. And so they, Um, They need to pick it up. I think it's a lot of time left. I still trust in the staff that they can get it done, but they still need to really, really pick it up.
0: Uh, In regards to the next upcoming game against UT Arlington, I mean, really, this it's – I'm looking at the schedule. They're going to follow that up with another tough game on Sunday against the Kansas State team. That um, they're towards uh, the best in the country too. They're a team that's receiving votes um, heading into that game. It's it's not going to get any easier for Houston, and if they don't write this shit, they could potentially allow you know the already one in five start to spin even more. And it, even if they are close at some point, it, it's going to become too big of a hole to overcome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, only way that I can say it is not
1: because of conference play. You can still have such a strong season, win conference, maybe win the tournament, and still get in the tournament. And so there, there's a lot of different ways that it can play out. But for resume wise, they need some of these wins. Like you said, you're playing good teams. You got to have good showings and get some wins and, and turn it around.
0: Now, like like you said, I, I, it it gets you know it gets real struggling when whenever you um you know, have to rely on on being perfect in the conference tournament because it is a one-and-done tournament, and I mean it's just difficult to be able to to pull out, uh, you win any tournament, particularly when it comes to the conference tournament, something they struggled in um, in the past. So it's going to be interesting to see once again their next game will be December one against UT Arlington. Is there going to be anything specific that you're going to be looking into at that game um, in regards to to Houston and a certain area or maybe player that you'll be looking to um, on Thursday?
1: Front court Tatiana here and Bria Patterson, they both have been inconsistent. Tatiana has had spurts where she's been dominant, but they need both of them to be consistent and bring that balance because Layla and Tierra are are going to play well or going to play good. They just need that balance between those front court players and also Taylor Purvis. She's been her first year starting and she showed some flashes. I actually like her in the start lineup because she can push the pace and she can head the defense as far as guarding that guard. I just think that um, she she needs to play better as well.
0: On that note, we will segue. I do have uh, one more plug for Let's Reach Coups, uh, a reminder that – First of all, thanks to our sponsors for Let's Rage Coops throughout the entire regular football season. Big shout out to Five Star Properties. They were the initial sponsor of Let's Rage Coops, the initial primary sponsor. Really, they were the first company that kind of took the big dive with us in regards to really the the just the vision. Um, it was just an idea when it came to... Let's Rage Cooks and being an unofficial online postgame show of Houston football and men's basketball. The Saxinian family, they were a sponsor throughout um, a couple, five games of the football season. And then uh, our guys at Hoop and Holler, Mike Pittman of Hoop and Holler and Star Pizza, they've been uh, pretty much a sponsor on every show. So big, major shout out to them. And be sure to check out Let's Rage Cooks presented by the Saxinian family throughout the rest of the men's basketball regular season. And into the American Athletic Conference tournament, as we start to enter on our final segment, um, the men's basketball team, as we stay on the hardwood, they bounce back with a huge statement um, on Tuesday night and. Uh, really, they, they they had an offense. Ex- they had a huge offensive explosion uh, against Norfolk State last night, putting up 100 points. Marky Sasser put up 25 points. Uh, Jermon Mark had 16 points, 6 assists, and 5 rebounds. Jamal Shedd had a 12-point, 11-assist double-double. And then overall, after the game, Kelvin Sampson talked about how really it was one of the... Uh, well, he talked about how really the team had still been recovering from getting back to Oregon. He said they got back about four and five o'clock in the morning um, that Monday morning after they they got out of Oregon. And then after that, the team just got hit with an illness and and it really affected their ability to be able to practice during that week where they didn't really have, I mean, they didn't have games leading up to the Kent state game, Ken state game, which is something that that affected them. Um, They were able to grind out that game. We know the story there. Um, And then they bounced back with a really strong performance after Calvin Sampson, Marcus Sasson, Jermon Mark said that they had, Emphasized offense—one of the first times all season where they spent entire practices focusing on offense. Dayan, I'll toss it over to you. Um, just overall in the two games, we know all the the big buzz is that Houston's is the number one team in the country, and they sure looked like it last night against Norfolk State.
1: Yeah, last two games, I'm thinking we know how to close out games. We have a closer, and the last game, which shows. Um, what can be if we're clicking on all cylinders. Defensively, we know we're going to be one of the best. But offensively, when we're clicking like that and making our shots, we can really, really, really be tough to beat for sure.
0: Absolutely, and it's going to be interesting, something that, again, going back to that Kent State game, Houston was out to just 32% shooting from the field. They turned the ball over 23 times, and still, they were able to grind out that victory. Now, like you said, whenever Houston's hitting the shots like they did against North Coast State, there's not going to be. It's very, very few teams that are going to be able to hang with Houston when they're shooting the ball as well, and the reason for that is because you know that they're going to be consistently good at defense and uh, rebounding. That's something that Kelvin Sampson said after the game. That's um, what he emphasizes leading up into the season. That's what he chooses to focus on year in and year out. And he said, you know, if you work on ten different things all at once, you're not going to be good at any one of those things. But that's the reason he works on defense. He gets the entire team, the coaching staff, to work on defense, rebounding, and culture stuff. And and one of the culture stuff that showed out um, yesterday was during one of the plays when Marcus Sasser got a steal. Um, it, the ball was loose. Reggie Chaney almost. Charged over a Norfolk State player trying to die for the ball. Jamal Mark dove. He got the ball and it got into the hands of Jawan Roberts, who had the slam. And I think it's interesting that that play in it of itself um, got for Tita Center electric. And and really, it was one of those plays where you kind of um, see that's that's the culture. You can actually see a play where you can see the culture in there. Kevin Sampson was asked about it after the game, and he said. You know, it's not something that they started doing this year. It's not something they started doing last year. That's their culture, full on display, and it's something they're going to continue to be doing. Um, Rusty Reed on our comments here on the YouTube he said, "Don't sleep on St. Mary's. They are good, and absolutely, they're gonna. They very well could be the toughest test um, Houston has faced so far in the in the early part of the season." Um, I'm curious to get your thoughts on St. Mary's and just overall of the team of the Houston's. Last two games,
1: man. St. Mary's is good. Like that comment just said, their veteran team, their team who's good year in and year out, and they like to push the pace and they can really shoot the basketball. So I can't wait to see the challenge and see if we can stifle them from shooting well from beyond three.
0: Absolutely. And on that note, one of the things Marcus Sasser yesterday, he like I said, he hit. He had 25 points. He hit seven threes. He was a 7-12 shooting from the three-point line. That's something that Marcus has to said after the game. It's He hopes it can continue to carry. He can bottle it up and carry that into momentum uh, going forward. Now, Marcus, something Kelvin said is that uh, he's been taking a lot of good shots. They just haven't been falling in while on Tuesday night. They they did fall in now in regards to the topic of St. Mary's. I think it's going to be a game to keep an eye on from a Houston perspective. St. Mary's is going to play in just about an hour, just a little over an hour. They're going to be playing against New Mexico, who has received votes in uh, the national polls. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do against them. They're going to be a good primer to see. Um, what the Cougars will expect this coming Saturday. Once again, that game will tip off at eight thirty PM Central Time. It'll be a late tip um, due to the the battleground two K multi team event up in Fort Worth when Houston takes on St. Mary's up in Dick at Dickies Arena. Down uh, as we wrap things up. Just overall, um, when it talks, I, the thing we didn't really get to, to um, kind of hone in on is just the. Uh, But something we've talked about in the past is player development by Houston. And then really one of the players that he emphasized, Kelvin Sampson, focused on was JVA Francis. Um, And in a game like last night when they they were up by uh, too many points to count, it seemed like at some points, it it gave Houston a good opportunity not only to to get a lot more minutes to Players, but also to be able to work on stuff. Kelvin said that they, they went zone for the first time since last season against Wichita State. Um, just your thoughts overall on on really uh, JV Francis and, and the luxury that Houston had to be able to work on different things.
1: Uh, man, he looked really good. He showed flashes of um, what Coach Sampson is referring to, him having a lot of potential. I think his ability, of course, on the defensive end, to block shots and not only that, change shots. It's like oftentimes he doesn't get the block, but he changes in the, in the effects or effects shots. And so I think offensively, we finally got to see some of what he brings. Um, he showed great footwork, good hands to catch, turn and pivot. Um, he can finish with both hands. Not only that, he's a live threat. So I'm very impressed with his Uh, game that he had and of course I've been saying that this program develops every position at an elite level I can't wait to see him continue to develop because he brings us another element that we don't have I think he's a bona fide shot blocker
0: yeah, and as we get into December, we're recording this on November 30th. For those of you who may be watching the audio-only platforms or catching the replay on uh, YouTube or wherever else you may be listening, Rusty Reed on YouTube said, even before the Cougars take on St. Mary's, Alabama, and Virginia, UH has the eighth-best resume in Division One and is the second-best behind in the news slash old Big 12. So Houston has been able to put together a strong season. And again, going back to that defense Houston is holding opponents to just 48 points a game and holding them to just 30.03% shooting from the field, both of which are the best in the nation. So when Kelvin Sampson said they emphasize defense, he wasn't kidding, and it's shown. And again, that's going to be something that really makes this Houston team scary because we saw uh, they don't have to have, I mean, they they could have a terrible offensive performance and because of how good they are defensively. Uh, Excuse me. It's going to give them an opportunity uh, to to be in any given game, and it's been a a big reason why Houston certainly over the past year they've pretty much been in each and every game that they've played, outside of a few rare exceptions. But once again, Houston's next game will be Saturday. December 3 in Fort Worth against St. Mary's. For those of you guys um, who are planning to take the trip, safe travels. Now, uh, one of the final things I wanted to touch on, um, and down you referenced in, in terms of development. Uh, Tremont Mark, one of those players that, that continues to develop. He, I mentioned he had a real strong performance against Norfolk State, but something after the game that Calvin Sampson said about Tremont is that, and something he said early on throughout the entire um, early portions of the season is that his basketball is still ahead, um, his best basketball is still ahead for him. Just because when he first joined the program, he he called him he was a great scorer, um, yeah. but he still had to develop as an overall player. Something mm-hmm. that Tremont Mark and both Calvin Sampson alluded to last night was you know they're trying to get him to be a better playmaker overall. And, and Tremont Mark said you know he's working on being able to first when he does drive tech and he gets the defenses to collapse, just make the right play. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on as the season progresses to see how he improves in that category and be able to create shots for um, his fellow teammates. Because if you can get Marcus Sasser and Jamal Shedd, um, who already do that, Marcus Sasser, one of the other players that Calvin said they had to develop him to be um, that playmaker as well, you're going to have a three headed monster um, when it comes to their guards.
1: You said it perfectly. I think, not only is that he, he he's important in the playmaking aspect because he can you can rest Jamal and you can put him and Marcus as well but both of them can control the ball and run the offense and so um I've been man he's really 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 good scorer gifted and so as he goes and continues to be more aggressive more consistently and that's the thing he isn't forcing shots he's letting the game come to him and his three point shot is getting better and so like you just said, if he can continue doing what he's doing and having the trajectory that he has,
0: man, it could be a scary three-guard combo for Houston. Absolutely. And on that note, we are going to wrap things up here on Slam and Jam. I can't thank you enough, man, for being a ward throughout this show. Um, Again, uh, hope for speedy recovery, man. And, and I appreciate what, what you did to it tonight. You didn't have to do it. Man, go cool.